Well, it's great to have you back with us. Another edition of Death Taxes and Duval alongside Hayes Carline. My name is Rick Ballou. It's been a busy last couple of weeks around here with more media accessibility as far as OTAs and an opportunity to sit down with Doug Peterson, the coordinators and position coaches this week. So it has been busy. Hayes, first things first, let's say hello to our sponsor. Yeah, I appreciate John Spicklemeyer at Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency. I've known John since high school. He's a great guy, and he can save you money potentially on what you pay uh, in car insurance. You may be paying for the wrong things. Uh, so have John look at your policy. He's going to tell you if, uh, if what you're spending is correct, if what's in your policy is correct, if it's a good fit for you. Uh, give him a call, 471-7155. Again, that's Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency. John Spicklemeyer will take great care of you. All right, uh, Monday, uh, we, uh, you and I were out there and had a chance to watch uh, this football team practice once again. And, you know, I, I think the eye test would say uh, it was another step forward. They're obviously adding some things in uh, as far as their installment offensively. It also looked like, including certainly with Trayvon Walker, uh, we saw maybe for the first time some different things on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, Rick, and uh, I'm curious to get your take on it. What what were your some of your takeaways on what they did with Trayvon Walker? Because it is exciting to see him moving around out there. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're all fascinated here because, uh, you know, here's a guy with nine sacks, and, you know, we've seen him work, um, you know, specifically with, with the outside linebackers, and uh, he was there with Josh Allen and, and, of course, working with the coach, Bill Shuey, and then all of a sudden – you know, you turn around, you watch him, and you wonder, does he have the straight skills uh, to be a pass rusher, you know, from the outside with just straight get-after-it type of uh, of a skill? Or are they going to do some other things with him where, you know, perhaps some stunting, uh, the ability for him to maybe cut inside? So, you know, we got some different looks. And, and um, you know, I got to say, I came away pretty impressed. If if I go back, or if anyone of our listeners goes back and takes a look, you know, some of those scouting reports on him as a pass rusher were really poor, uh, including doesn't have burst off the ball. Uh, is it going to be a two-down defensive lineman who will come off the field in pass rush situation? So I, I did like the fact that this team is looking at him as a guy that they believe they can do multiple things with, but just to pin back ears and get to the quarterback, that is not going to be the case for the top overall pick. Yeah, and I'm glad you're talking about the positives because as his biographer, people are starting to roll their eyes when, when I talk yeah. about the positives of Trayvon Walker. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, athletically, it's really impressive what he can do. The, the play that, that he made on Monday that jumped out to me is Trevor rolled out to his right. And Trevor moves pretty well. Um, and Trevor rolled out, and Trayvon saw it and started to close on Trevor. And the speed and size in which he does that, it, it really is remarkable. Um, so that, that kind of gave us a, a, a sense of the closing speed that I think Trayvon will be able to have. And again, obviously, he didn't, he's not going to get close to, you know, to, to hitting Trevor. But it just gave you a pretty good idea. Here's a here's a pretty fleet-footed quarterback that's a big guy, and uh, you know Trayvon kind of started inside, saw the rollout, reacted to it, and the speed and the just the space he takes up. Uh, it was really impressive to see that kind of movement in space. I thought. Yeah, I think you can really make the case that the last couple of years, really under the last few regimes, uh, particularly 
you know, with Doug Marone is that they haven't always used their defensive players in, in the right position. And, and there's been this school of thought that put them at one position and keep them there. Uh, it's pretty obvious with what this team has done this year, free agency and the draft, high character guys, team guys, also very intelligent guys. Because, again, on the surface, you know, I look at this young team and think play them at one spot and one spot only. But, you know, it's obvious by watching them and then meeting with the position coaches yesterday. That is not going to be the case. They are going to do a variety of different things, both on the offensive and defensive side of the football. So I just wondered about the whole mental side of this bringing a guy in, yeah, it's his full-time job, but you're an outside linebacker. You're a defensive end. You're, you know, a right tackle, but you also need to learn left guard. Uh, you're an ex-wide receiver, but we also want to be able to move you around. What's your opinion on how much is too much, considering it feels as though they're going to be moving all over the place? Yeah, it's a it's a concern, and, I, and I'll just go back to, you know, again with Trayvon, that – from the outset, they talked about we really want him to focus on one position. And, and Mike Caldwell, I thought, you know, said that yesterday. He's an outside linebacker. I, I think they're going to do some things, uh, you know, to to mix it up. But I do think that uh, at least with the younger guys, they're going to try to keep it until they've mastered one thing. They're going to try and keep it to where uh, they're not they're not floating around a lot. Uh, Rick, we thought next week we were going to get to see three. You know, pretty sizable practices. Uh, the mandatory mini camp. Doug Peterson told us yesterday. Uh, nope, uh, I've dismissed the vast majority of the veterans, and uh, basically, I think he estimated it's going to be, I think, under thirty players uh, that will be out there. They've sent us the schedule, and and it's only about a half hour each of the workouts. Uh, what were you, what was your take on Doug Peterson electing to reward the players? Well, I'm not a fan of it, and that's where the old school in me really comes into play. I've always been an every snap count guy. I want my first team out there working play after play after play. As far as I'm concerned, you can only get better, and this is with a brand-new offense, a brand-new defense. I mean, the days of uh, of double sessions during August are are long gone, so there's only a certain amount of at-bats that you can take, and you know, certainly you can look at things and say they only won three games last year. They've only won four in the last two years. You've got to practice these players. The other side of it is Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl winning coach, and he's talked about changing the culture. He's talked about the healing process. Uh, we were there yesterday. I asked him, did they earn it? Did they earn this, or was this something that you had planned before OTAs began? He said, no, absolutely not. They did earn this. So, He's the coach, and he's got to win over their trust after what happened a year ago. If he thinks it's best for them here in mid-June to take three days off and then get ready for camp in six weeks, you got to listen to the head coach. But, again, the way that I'm wired, as I said a moment ago, I'm one of those who would like to see the veterans out there working Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Yeah, it almost feels like, Doug Peterson, this is the last penalty that he's going to pay for the Urban Meyer debacle that he inherited. Because uh, I do think he's going to have a physical camp. He's alluded to that before. Uh, that training camp is going to be physical. He believes it has to be physical to be ready for football. So I think he looked at it and said, "All right, I don't want to reward them in training camp because we're going to be too close to the season. Then we we've got to get ready. This is probably my only time to give them a substantial reward when it comes to rest and." 
hopefully be this will be the last penalty I have to pay for taking over such a fractured team in terms of the the complete lack of trust between players and coaching staff from last year. So that is my hope because I, I don't love it either, but I do think that there is, the healing process that Doug Peterson has talked about I think is real, and I think for him to even acknowledge it publicly it tells me you can multiply it by 20 in terms of how bad it probably really was in the building when he got there. Um, and so to me it's, it's, it's okay, let's do it now because these are just three practices in June – uh, that we can't do a lot of contact anyway. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure he is pleased with the attendance and you know, and, and everything like that, the buy-in. But to me, it's it, you know, so I, I do think he's right when he says that they've earned this. Uh, you know, to your question, but to me, it's Doug Peterson saying, "All right, I'm going to pay one more Urban Meyer penalty, and this is it." Mm-hmm. But when we come back for camp, I don't want to hear a lot of complaining about the structure of it because I've given you some rest that I didn't have to give you. So that's sort of my takeaway. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson played in the days where it was a different uh, mentality and what you could do in, in a different CBA. So I thought it was interesting, him being a former quarterback, you don't know. Is it going to be kind of a light camp? Is it going to be a, a heavy camp? And, and again, he alluded to it. It might have been last week. Uh, he talked about the camp is going to be physical and he believes in that so that's what I think it is I think it's it's a reward because when when we get there July 24th it's going to be all systems go and there's not going to be a lot of veteran days and days where you go to top golf no and he's done that so right now this team loves them uh, this team's going to break away now for the next five six weeks or whatever it is and they're loving their coach but uh you know I I hope that that turns pretty quickly and that uh, they become salty because it's hot out and they're hitting and, you know, they're fighting for jobs. Um, training camp around here recently has been, it, it's been, it seems like it's changed yearly. I mean, we remember the year that, that, uh, that Doug Marone kind of sped everything up and had a lot of breaks and reportedly Tom Coughlin didn't like it. I remember asking Jalen Ramsey that year, he came out and said they absolutely love Doug Marone. I mean, he's been super to them in camp. Well, I don't know if being super and, and, and being that way to these guys in camp is the way to go after they've only won three games. Obviously, a year ago was just a complete disaster uh, being out there with Urban Meyer. I also got the feeling this week, unless we ask it or when members of the national media roll, and I'm sure they'll come forward with the obligatory question, but I thought Trevor Lawrence's reaction on Monday and then some of the stuff said to the position coaches – that we asked yesterday, it almost felt like, all right, guys, you know, enough's enough. We know you have to ask the questions, but we have moved on. And this is the 2022 Jaguars. Again, I think some of the national media will, will pop those questions in, in July, but that's the feeling I got out of it this week. Did you get a similar feel? Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I know we had a chance to uh, talk to some of the assistants yesterday you had uh, a lot of great conversations with it. Were there any big takeaways that you had from our time with the assistants yesterday? Yeah, you know, I, I thought it was very interesting. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, Jim Bob Cooter, uh, his whole discussion about the emotional and mental side of, of Trevor Lawrence being able to handle things a year ago. But then again, he was quick to point out that, uh, you know, we've turned the page for a, a lack of a better term. 
Um, certainly Deshae Townsend, I thought, was uh, really a breath of fresh air to kind of get his feeling as a guy who's uh, obviously played uh, here as a member of the uh, – he won two Super Bowl rings uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I enjoyed uh, that. And, you know, just listening to Phil Rauscher talk about his style of the offensive line and what he liked to implement, but how that's going to change on a game-to-game basis. You know, it just kind of felt yesterday like – I don't want to rip apart the entire staff a year ago. That that would be totally unprofessional. But it just felt like this is a much improved staff and that everyone knows their responsibility, knows what they're uh, expected uh, out of Doug Peterson, and just kind of going around table to table, asking some questions and, and listening to uh, the answers. I, I came away pretty impressed uh, by the group that they have here now in town. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was really fun to hear Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator, be asked about Travis Etienne and say, the speed is real. You know, the speed is absolutely real. And uh, and we've seen that, and, and we, we understand how desperate the franchise is for that electrifying playmaker. Uh, so I thought that was really cool to hear Press say that. I agree on Jim Bob Cooter. I had a chance to speak with him uh, for several minutes. And, uh, you know, again, even with Travis Etienne, he said, you know, I'm, I'm the passing game coordinator, so obviously that's what – you know, my focus is on, but he's like, man, I love watching Travis Etienne run the football. Uh, and obviously Jim Bob was an offensive coordinator for a few years in Detroit, so he's been over the whole uh, system before. But, uh, you know, great hearing from him, his comments on on Trevor. To me, the star, and I didn't get to, to every table, but Phil Rauscher, my gosh. Yeah. What an yeah. In- impressive young coach he is and, and funny and insightful and – uh, he talked about uh, kind of talked about the differences in the scheme, and he was very upfront. He said, "Look, nothing is is wrong here. You know, everybody it's 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 flavors of ice cream. You know, so I'm not trying to knock the previous staff, but the previous staff was very north south, uh, creating a, a pocket." He said, "We're very much more wide and moving laterally." He said, "We're we're creating not a pocket. We're creating a, a dish," is how he described it. Uh, he said we need fast and physical, and we absolutely have that here. He said everything we need is here, uh, and uh, uh, and he said, you know, I've got to coach guys individually. These guys made it to the NFL before they ever met me. So, and I love when coaches have that approach. Uh, very humble approach. And you know, he said, so I'm just here to, you know, augment what obviously they've done so well in their careers to get to this point. Um, but he said, you know, guys, um, guys require individual coaching. You can't coach every guy the same way. He said there's things Walker can do really well that Jawan doesn't do really well. So I coach Jawan on those things. And there's things Jawan does really well that Walker doesn't do very well. So I coach him on those things. He's like, I'm not coaching five robots. And uh, I thought he was incredibly impressive. And, man, you can tell from Doug Peterson to Press Taylor to Phil Rauscher, that right tackle battle – is going to be head and shoulders the number one battle in training camp because to a man, they said, you know, Doug Peterson said, we pulled them both in and we're very honest with them. This is a competition. Uh, but they both are getting really positive reviews. So it, it sounds like, uh, you know, this is going to be a battle between two promising players that are still, and Walker is very young and obviously Jawan Taylor is still on his rookie contract. So he, theoretically he hasn't hit his peak yet. Uh, if if he is going to develop into a quality player. Um, going to be very interesting to see what happens at right tackle. What were your thoughts about that discussion? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, here's a guy. He loves that whole wide zone uh, philosophy, uh, really learned it uh, when he came in uh, under Gary Kubiak in Denver and, and really referenced uh, Bill Callahan, who, you know, I think we remember him in the NFL and even in Nebraska, but he was considered during his day a, a very good offensive line coach, and it, it is going to be a different style uh, offensively with Phil Rauscher. And when they signed him, I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute here now. He's really only got a year of being the guy. He's been an assistant offensive line coach. And, you know, obviously he had success uh, in Minnesota, but they, they thought highly of him. I, I mean, again, they, they gave an offensive coordinator position first time around, defense coordinator position first time around. They've done the same thing here with an offensive line coach. So, you know, Doug Peterson uh, went out and probably surprised many by some of the decisions that he made, first-timers uh, in, in several of these positions. Uh, but we'll see what ends up happening. I, I love his energy. I, I loved, you know, his spirit about the right tackle position and telling us that, all right, whoever doesn't win that job will be the swing tackle, but I also want the best five on the field. So if that means one of those, uh, you know, the, the loser of that right tackle position uh, earns the left guard position, he'll be cross-trained there. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned right now here, you know, second week of June, you've got Cam Robinson at left tackle and you've got Brendan Sheriff at right guard. The right tackle, left guard, and center position are up for battle during camp. I mean, you can make the case that three of the five offensive positions are there for the taking. And, and that is going to be just fascinating. I, you know, you brought up physicality uh, a little bit earlier in contact. You can't decide that position uh, without hitting. And that's why camp uh, is, is really going to be intriguing this year. And obviously they get that head start because of uh, the game that'll be played in, in Canton, Ohio. But you know, those practices there against the Raiders, I, I think they're going to be very telling uh, about where this football team is and, and where they'll be at that point. Then, you know, you got to ask yourself, what are you going to do as far as your skill guys? How much are you going to play Trevor? How much are you going to play ETN? How much are you going to play the wide receivers? Well, the flip side of that is when you're fighting for three positions on that offensive line, the only way you're really going to be able to tell is to play them during those preseason games with the risk of injury and everything else. So, yeah, it's it's going to be spirited. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if I could, you know, if I was told you can only cover one position group, of course, everyone wants to follow the ball and, and follow the skill position guys. I don't feel that way. I, I'm very interested this year in the ditch, both the defensive line when they move those outside linebackers up and certainly the front five there to see who's going to win uh, those particular jobs, I, I think in the trench this year in camp is the place to be. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. And that's, that's always the highlight for me is those one-on-ones. And, you know, you start to think about, you know, Trayvon Walker versus Cam Robinson and, and Josh Allen versus Walker Little and what that's going to look like. And, you know, Brandon Sheriff against, uh, you know, Roy Robertson Harris and Malcolm Brown and, and guys like that, and, and Luke Fortner, how's he going to hold up in those drills? Uh, you know, is what kind of push is he going to make on Tyler Shatley? Uh, it seems like they're they're encouraged by Fortner's progress. So, and, and then left guard, it, it, you know, with Ben Barch, you know, it, is he going to be able to quickly lock that down? Uh, it, the trenches, I think, are going to be really interesting. And, and uh, Roy Robertson Harris was uh, was intriguing. Rick, he had a great practice 
The oh, other, he did. Now again, they're not in in pads, but is he a guy in your opinion that you know we've seen it? Free agents sometimes they arrive. This happens everywhere, but it certainly has happened here too. Tayshawn Gibson's probably the best example of a guy who had a shaky first year after signing a, a pretty good free agent deal. Then year two was much better. Many thought in the locker room and, and coaching staff thought he should have been in the Pro Bowl that year. Uh, is Robertson Harris a guy that you think possibly could be that kind of guy? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, by the way, Ben Barch, I hope he wins that job just because I'd like to have uh, here on this team, you know, two recently drafted players, Walker Little and Ben Barch, uh, be a part of the starting five for, for hopefully years to come. To Roy Robertson Harris, I mean, it's very intriguing. I mean, if you look at the three high priced defensive players a year ago, came in by a free agency, uh, they're all in danger of being cut. Okay, Uh, you can't do it this year because it would be forty two million dollars worth of dead cap money to say goodbye to Robertson Harris, Shaq Griffin and Rayshon Jenkins. Uh, The question is, is can they be better this season? Uh, They were you know, they dealt with injuries last year. They dealt with that turmoil. But, yeah, Shaq Griffin's made a couple of nice plays in camp. And and you pointed out Roy Robertson Harris, who is off to a, a really good start. So. You know, hopefully the case is is that they play well and you want to keep them around uh, for the third year of their deal. As we wrap things up, I, I want to get one quick thing from you, uh, Hayes, because I asked Deshae Townsend about this. I, I, I'm really interested in it. I mean, there's certain things in football at this level that you can't teach. I mean, I don't think you can teach someone at this level how to tackle. If they don't already know how to tackle, then, then, then they're lost. But when it comes to forcing – turnovers, getting takeaways. This team was so bad a year ago. They only had nine. And, and I asked Deshae Townsend about that. Is it more of being in the right spot at the right time? Can you continuously work through drills of trying to pound the ball out of the receiver or, or, or running back? I mean, does that really work at this level? Do you, do you get on the judge machine, machine like the wide receivers do? And his answer was pretty thorough, but I, I was interested in your opinion what do you believe at this level? Can you teach that? I honestly don't think you can. I, I mean, there, are there certain things that maybe you can do in coaches that are maybe better than others? I, I Yes, I, I, I guess there's, there's no way around uh, that there's got to be a difference in coaching uh, between you know, a, a, a poor one and a, and a great one. But I, I, think, I think that's 8% of the battle. I think 92% of the battle is you've got players that are just better than the other guy. And they're going to go make those plays, and and it's the pressure that you create on the opponent. You know, it's the rush and cover component. And if you can get after the quarterback, make the quarterback get rid of it a hair earlier than they want, or get the ball off the quarterback, uh, you know, and uh, you know, get to the quarterback early in the game, so that even if you're not consistently getting there, uh, it's forcing them uh, to speed up a little bit and press, uh, maybe sail a ball, not step into it. To me, it's it's all about. Uh, you're rushing cover, and, and you need guys back there in the secondary that can finish, you know, that can catch the ball, secure it, and you know, make something happen with it. And that just didn't happen last year. Obviously, Shaq Griffin is taking full accountability for, for the four that, that he dropped. And, you know, but we just haven't seen the quarterback drop back and get strip-sacked all that often since Ngakwe left. And, uh, you know, that's a, you know, hopefully with Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, you know, that can be something. But to me, it's... That fight to me is 92% talent on defense and 8% coaching turnovers and you know, being good at that you know, point. Well, there's so many things this football team must improve on in 2022, and that's certainly one of them. 
Uh, they've got to start getting the football back and and uh, giving a break to the guys on the offense, giving them some decent field goal position or excuse me field position when it's all said and done. All right, it's going to be a busy week. We have three sessions coming up on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Hayes, Carline, Rick Ballou will be out there for each and every one of them. So we'll have a lot to get into next week during death taxes and Duval. Let's thank our sponsor. Yeah, appreciate Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency. My buddy John Spicklemeyer is going to take such great care of you. If, if you want to look into paying less uh, for car insurance, you want to make sure that you're paying for the right things, that your policy fits your current life situation, uh, give John Spicklemeyer a call at 471-7155. He's going to shoot you straight. If he can help you, he's going to help you. He's going to save you money. If he can't, he's going to say, you know what? You got a good policy there. Uh, I can't beat that. So, But give him the opportunity because it, it certainly could save you some money and get you a stronger insurance. So Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency, again, John Spicklemeyer, 471-7155. All right. Outstanding. Hayes Carline with you each and every day. He covers the beat. For us here at 1010XL and 92.5 FM, again, he's on 3 to 6. I am the Jaguar sideline reporter. I am on right after Hayes from 6 until 8. You can get a hold of me by going to my Twitter feed. That is Baloo1010XL. How about you, Hayes? Yeah, you can reach me at Hayes Carlion, and that is uh, H-A-Y-S-C-A-R-L-Y-O-N. Folks, have a fantastic weekend. We'll have a ton to get into next week with the three uh, sessions that are open during mandatory mini camp, uh, which will only include about 30 of the 90 players. For Hayes Carline, my name is Rick Ballou. Folks, we'll talk to you next time right here on Death Taxes and Duval. It's a wonder, 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 wonder.